0: O great God, giver of life, we give you thanks for your continued generosity and blessing into our lives. You pour out goodness day after day, and every morning is filled with your new mercies. Lord, we pray that we would be a generous people, not full of greed and anger, but full of generosity and grace. Lord, also this morning, we lift up our dear friend Lee Bird and his family as he is in critical condition. We pray your grace and mercy be upon him in these days, and you bring him back to health. Lord God, we give you these things. We cry to you because you are our God, and we trust no other. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Maybe seated. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you all and your beautiful faces on this nice and muggy, warm day. Summertime in the South. I love it. I wouldn't trade it for a thousand things. Um, I don't know, but probably many of you, and I will address this just here very briefly, and we'll get into the, the Word here in just a minute. Uh, many of you probably received the email that I sent you, the um, very interesting email this week. and <clears throat> um, But maybe some of you didn't get that, or some of you are new here, and so I just wanted to address that very briefly. And um, I'm just going to read a few little excerpts from that email that I sent you, since it's already there. Um, you know, for the last two years, we've been working to create a church here where we live out our faith every day for the common good. That's what Open Table is about. and We've seen our community respond in incredible ways. We've seen that our world is hungry for a church to stand for justice and the good of all people with no exceptions. And week after week, I try to inspire you to put your faith in action. And as you all know, over the past few months, I've been wrestling with how I can do this in a deeper way. As I look at the world, I see so much suffering, and I get this deep sense that our society is losing its moral compass. Kids are in cages. The Latinx families are being torn apart. Multitudes are living without health care. The LGBTQ community is under constant threat. Income inequality is out of control, and our environment is dying. To me, these are not just political issues. They are issues of morality and justice, of life and death. That's why... After much prayer and thought, that's why I've decided that I'm going to run for Congress in District 2, which (laughs) is... To some, it's very unconventional, right? This is not a pathway. This is not something that was like, this is what lawyers do. This is what CEOs do. This is not what pastors do. But maybe that's part of the problem, right? Maybe we need some different folks seeing the world in different ways as part of this political process. And I believe the world is hungry for progressive faith leaders to stand up in this moment of chaos and give voice to the values of faith that lead to the common good and flourishing of all people everywhere. Now, District 2, this is not District 2. District 2 is kind of out where I live and makes a big sea around Raleigh and is huge. It goes out to Johnston County, Harnett County, um, Wake Forest, Garner, Fuquay, Lillington, Dunn, um, Rocky Mountain. It's massive. And so this will be quite an undertaking. But what I want you to know is this. I will continue to be the pastor of Open Table here. At, through this process. I'll keep preaching. I'll keep leading. You all are my community, and this, you and this place is a gift to my life. And I don't want to step out of that in order to do this. I feel like that kind of defeats the whole purpose, right? To say in this... And do that. That's the movement of our faith out into the world. But here's a very important thing. I'm not going to be talking about this in church. Because I know some of you are like, yes, and really excited. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, I do not agree with this. And I get that, right? We have that space as a community to be in these people. And, and like in here, we are brothers and sisters. We are family Out there, maybe some of you might not agree with my stances, but in here, we are brothers and sisters, we are family. And so I want us to be that space where we can continue to worship God, where we continue to feel safe, no matter if we're on this side or that side, if we agree or if we don't agree, we need to be the people that listen to one another, that love each other. So if you ask me about this and moving forward, I know it's exciting for some of you, but if you ask me about it, I'm gonna be like, hey, let's talk later about it, okay? Even if you ask me out the door, you would be like, oh no, let's talk later about it. Because the person behind you or beside you may just really not want to hear that today. Maybe they're really suffering through something in their life and they just want a word, a touch from God. And so let's respect each other in that way. If you want to get involved with with what I'm doing, like, there will be, yes, you can do that. There will be um, opportunity, but you're gonna, we're going to have to do that outside of here. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, that's a great way to do it. And if you don't, you probably won't even hear about me because, like, you won't even know. You wouldn't even know that I'm doing this out in the world. So um, we'll navigate this together, but I wanted you to know this, to hear from me um, about this step. And it's pretty It's pretty crazy, like a fox, right? Crazy like a fox. And um, uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens, and um, we'll see what happens, right? Cool. So that's it. It's the last time you hear about that for a while. Um, Today we're going to get into the Word. Our scripture this morning comes from Luke. This is um, a familiar passage, maybe, that you have maybe heard before. But this speaks to some deep issues that may be beyond what we think right here as we read it. This is a text. Someone in the crowd said to to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then Jesus said, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for those who store up things for themselves, but are not rich towards God. This is the word of God for us and all the people of God. So here we find a very rich man. This parable was not an uncommon thing. When Jesus tells the parables, these are stories that happen in life. These are things that go on in the day-to-day life Jesus is referencing and so here we find a very wealthy man who's had some good years, some, some, some great years in his harvest, and what does he do? He thinks, man, I've got so much blessing, what should I do with my blessing? I want you to notice whose voice is in this story. When, when he says, what should I do with my blessing? Who does he ask? Who does he ask here? seems like he's only asking himself, right? He doesn't pray to God, God, what would you want me to do with this great blessing that you have given me? God is not in this story. He doesn't go to his community leaders who are suffering and starving and his peasants around him and say, community, I've had this great blessing, what shall I do with it? No, he just talks to himself. There's a real danger when we don't invite others into the conversation of what we should do with life, but especially what we should do with an abundance. If we are only talking to ourselves about how we are going to distribute our goodness, then we create an echo chamber for ourselves, and we become isolated. You see, this story is not just about possessions. This story is about power, what are we going to do with the power that we have received from our blessings? Because when we get stuff, when we have good years, when, when we have more things, that gives us a certain power in society. But the danger in having all of this stuff is that we create an island of power where we abide on then nobody else lives And we think in this space that we always have the right answers. That we know what we're doing. And we don't need anybody's help. We don't need anybody's advice. We don't need anybody's solution. Because we're the smartest person in the room. And we got it figured out. What this does is it isolates us from the rest of the world. From our friends. Our family. And that is what this story is about. This man said, hey, I've got it figured out. I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones. But the point of the story is your life is like a vapor. And when you die and you don't know when that is, what will you have? You'll have nothing. Nothing. I love this, this poem. And all of you know what this, you've probably heard this by John Donne, right? No man is an island. But it really fits into this moment. It says this, no man is an island entire of itself. Every man, every human is a piece of the continent a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. As well as if the promontory were, as well as any manner of thy friends or of thine own were, and any human's death diminishes me, because I am involved in humankind. And therefore never sin to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Sometimes in our individualistic society, we think that we live on islands. We think that we can do life on our own. We think that we are self-created creatures, that we don't need anybody else. But here is the fallacy in our thinking, is that we are not... Individually isolated from everybody else. We are all a big human family, and what happens to you affects me, and what happens to me affects you. We are all together, and if one of us is suffering, then all of us will suffer. None of us is an island. So when the bells of death toll, they ring. Who are they ringing for? They're ringing for all of us because all of us are affected when one of us suffers. But the systems of power in this world want to tell us a different story, right? They want to tell us that that you are, in fact, an individual isolated island and you can make your own decisions and that's good. So get as much as you can, as fast as you can, accumulate, push others down, get as much as you can. This, I love this book. I read it um, this summer. It's called the, Par- the Power Paradox, How We Gain and Lose Influence. And I want to read you just a little bit. Can I? Can we have story time? Story time. <clears throat> How do we gain power? This was written by a Berkeley scientist who studied power for about 20 years. This is very scientific based in research. How do we gain power? The capacity to make a difference in the world, question mark. The old Machiavellian philosophy of power treated it as a something to be grabbed. Narratives of power grabs for great literature and art. Macbeth, Julius Caesar, the Godfather, and most recently House of Cards, right? It is captivating to read about cunning acts of manipulation and the bloody elimination of rivals and allies. But they are more of the stuff of fiction and the past than about how people enact power in the 21st century. Instead, a new wave of thinking about power reveals that it is given to us by others rather than grabbed. We gain power by acting in ways that improve the lives of other people in our social networks. Our power is granted to us by others. This is true at work, in social organizations of different kinds, and in our friendships, romantic partnerships, and families. What science is saying, this, this um, Dr. Dr. Keldner is saying, is that the science of power is this, that it is given to you, to me, to you, by others when we help each other. When we are generous and giving, that creates a network of power given to us. We have heard story after story. The world has told us that we gain power by pushing others down, but Truly, we become powerful when we lift others up instead of pushing them down. That's what true power is. That's how we get it. That's how we lift others up so they, in turn, can do the same things. It is a system, a cycle, a gift of life, and science is proving it. But the paradox, this is the power paradox, is this. This is what most of the book is about, is we get power by helping other people. And we see this all the time, right? Um, So people accumulate power in society by helping other people in some way. People give them that power, and then they get to the powerful position. And so often what happens, the paradox is we stop doing what got us there. We become people who then turn in on ourselves instead of turning out towards the world. We become selfish. We start manipulating. We become angry. So the very power that the world had given us to get to the top, now we are turning that and becoming like the rich fool in the story of the parable where we build echo chambers for ourselves and think, I've got the best answer to every solution in the world. I don't need anybody's help and I don't need to help anybody because I've got it all figured out. But what that does, he says, is create, actually it creates powerlessness around you. This is the heart of the power paradox. The seductions of power induce us to lose the very skills that enabled us to gain power in the first place. Abuses of power occur in every corner of our social life and lead to greedy eating, rudeness, lying, sexual violence, racial violence, unethical behavior, by succumbing to the power paradox, we undermine our own power and cause others on whom our power so critically depends to feel threatened and devalued. Cumulative abuses of power lead to diminishing trust at work, reduced commitment and closeness in families, and the unrivaled of cooperative fabric of civil society. The sense, the cost of powerlessness, which are so often result of others succumbing to the power paradox, are profound. Powerlessness amplifies the individual's sensitivity to threat. It hyperactivates the stress hormone, cortisol, and it damages the brain. These effects compromise our ability to reason, to reflect, to engage in the world, and to feel good and hopeful about the future. Powerlessness, I believe, is the greatest threat outside of climate change facing our society today. That's what he says. Couldn't agree more. We find this system where we get power, where we think that we can live on an island of power all by ourselves, and then we actually create powerlessness among others, and that leads to suffering, deep suffering when we find communities that feel that they have no power in society, when we find individuals where they feel like I've got no power, no voice, no say, I can do nothing about my future, when we find whole groups of people based on the color of their skin or their sexual orientation where they feel like they've been so pushed aside by the powerful in our society, where they feel despair and feel hopelessness about their future, it causes deep, deep suffering. And not only suffering for those individuals and those communities, suffering is like a cloud, like a fog that moves through all of our lives and affects all of us because none of us are an island. So if you are suffering or they are suffering, then that means all of us are suffering. And we may not understand it and may not see it because life is going good for me. I've had a blessing and I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones, but we will suffer together. The way out of this for all of us is to empower others to rise out of their situation so that we all can be lifted up. It is in such that a, that a, that a rising tide raises all the boats. This leads us to our second piece of scripture here this morning, which it comes from Colossians. And sometimes in church, we, we read these texts, these sacred texts, and we think, well, that's just religious mumbo jumbo. It's just religious talk, right? It's so much more than that. Get this Colossians 3 says this Since then, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I mean, that, that, that doesn't mean that like we're just thinking of heaven and harps and clouds and the afterlife. That's not what this is about. Setting your mind on the things of Christ or setting your mind on the kingdom of God, the way that God wants the world to work. Shalom, peace, jubilee, equality, common good, flourishing for all people. Set your minds on those things. Not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Not that God is mad and bringing down. It is a natural consequence of living in this sense of greed, of life, of hurting each other. You used to walk in these ways, the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, in which you are renewed in the knowledge of the image of God. Therefore, there is no Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. We are all in this together. And the scripture saying, no divisions. Divisions only weaken us all. It creates islands and that weakens us all and leads to suffering. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against some, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, we can read this on Sundays and we can be like, well, that's nice and we'll live that way. But what if we take what Apostle Paul is saying and Jesus is saying, and we match that with what science is saying, we see something completely interesting, don't we? That science is saying that when we, are, when we pull other people down, which is anger, rage, malice, slander, When we pull each other down, we're all going to suffer. But scripture is saying, clothe yourselves in compassion, lift others up. With kindness, lift others up. With humility, lift others up. With gentleness, lift others up. With patience, lift others up. And above all things, love, lift others up. The way of the kingdom of God, the way of Christ, is a way of lifting each other up so that we all can live in the world of enough. So that we all can live in the world of being empowered. So that none of us are depowered, live in powerlessness. This is relevant to the world today. It is how we should live, not only as Christians, but as all people everywhere. Because it is the life that brings good to the world. It is the life that brings hope to humanity. It is the life, if we live it together, that can provide solutions to our problems, innovations to our sufferings. It is the life that we are being called into. Today. How are you using your power? The power that you have been given by the status in society, the power that you have been given by your finances, by your position. How are you using your power today? Are you inviting others in to speak to you when you say, when you have enough? Are you inviting your community and be like, hey, I had a good year this year? I had a good year what should I do with this? Or are you going just to yourself and thinking, I had a really good year this year. What should I do? Hmm, I've got a solution. Wow, that's a good thought, Jason. Awesome. Why don't we invite God into this conversation? Why don't we invite God into this conversation as a society, as a nation? What do we do as the most blessed people, as the most financially wealthy people in the history of the world? God, what would you want us to do with our blessing? But we don't do that, do we? We hide and we say to ourselves, I'm going to build bigger barns. Where is that going to get us? Nowhere. Because all that does is push others down and it infests our soul with greed, with division, with fear. That's not the way of the future. That's not the way to seek common good and flourishing for all people. God is a God of grace, and I think God is pouring out God's self upon us every single day. And, and I and think, what, what is the image that I keep using to myself when I, when I think of God's grace, of God's power? Because God is the ultimate power in the universe, right? And what is God doing with God's power? Is God hoarding it? Is God keeping it? No, no. God is inviting all of us to be in a conversation and then saying, blessings to you flower petals of grace blessings like this is how we god's living on, on us it's just gifts of grace abounding in all of our lives, God pouring out God's goodness, God's grace upon us all every day, not hoarding it for God's self, not keeping it for some undefined future, but God's grace is free and given to all and is poured out every single day. And to God, there is no skin color. To God, there is no in and out. There is no right sexual orientation. We are all God's children and All of us get blessed, and all of us get blessed, and all of us get blessed. So then why don't we live like God? Being God's people, having put on Christ, then we should reflect God's grace to the world, shouldn't we? So let us not divide ourselves on islands of power. Let's not divide ourselves based on where you're from and what color of skin you have and, and, and who you're in love with or, or what church you go to. Or, or let us not divide ourselves because that only weakens us all. That is the lie of the enemy trying to take away our power and isolate us so that then we can be attacked but we must be like a continent holding each other together. And if one, if one ground starts to fall off, we say, no, 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 no. You're not going anywhere. You're here with us together. Today, what are you going to do with your blessings? How are you going to reflect the God of grace and the God of goodness in your life around you? How are you going to use your power in generosity, in kindness, in goodness, in empowering others who feel powerless in our society and saying, let us use the gifts and talents that we have so that all people feel empowered. So that all people know that the future is bright and good and beautiful and there have a voice in the future of us all. Today, don't be like the guy who had a blessing and never prayed to God what he should do with this blessing or never asked the community what they should do. That's a heart problem. Let us not allow the infection of greed to invade. our lives and our hearts let us not bow down to the gods of fear to the idols of division to those that seek to take power away to use it for themselves today let us put on compassion and kindness and goodness, let us above all put on love for love it's the strongest force in the universe. And love can bind our wounds, can lift each other up, and can truly create a powerful people who use their power for good, for the benefit of those around them. Church, let's be that people. Because the world is desperate for that right now. Flower petals of grace. Let's pray together. Lord God of mercy and life, we thank you for this day and for your goodness that you pour out upon all of us. Lord God, we lift our hearts to you and pray that you would create in us kindness and justice and life and goodness and mercy and help us to put off the divisions and hate and fear that our society is trying to wrap us up in. Lord, show us the power of love. Show us the power of compassion. And help us always to use the gifts and the blessings that you have bestowed upon us for the goodness of those around us to reflect your love to the world, to reflect your goodness to humanity, and to seek the flourishing of all people everywhere.